Um, and, and I'm a little anxious this morning. Have you ever been, been really anxious? I'll tell you, I was anxious about 15 minutes ago, and, and this sermon illustration is jumping into my sermon this morning. Because about 15 minutes ago, before the service started, all of you were sort of gathering inside of this space, and I was like two minutes till, and uh, Robbie, our sound engineer, he looks at me, he says, you got your mic? I said, my mic? I don't have my mic. And so some of you actually saw me like grab my keys and go out, out the door. And I'm sure some of you were like, what in the world is he doing? Why is he going out the, I mean, that's the preacher. Is Bill coming today to preach? Um, and so I am frantically, I mean, I am frantically running through the church thinking of all the places that I might would have stopped on the way to the borough this morning so I could find my mic so he could get wired up. Um, and in the, middle of, in the middle of all of this, I'm thinking, you know, they're just starting to sing over there and I'm, I'm stressing and I am, have you ever been anxious? <laughs> you ever been worried? I was anxious. I was worried. Um, and, and, and really, I was worried to the point of, of distraction a little bit. I'm sure the band figured that out. I'm sure you figured that out. I was, I'm, I'm still a little bit nervous and a little bit anxious this morning. But I want to tell you about another time in my life when I was nervous um, and when I was anxious. I um, mean, it was more than just that sort of distracted kind of anxious and worried. Um, it was real deep, sort of deep-seated worry. It was a time um, about seven years ago now uh, when my wife and I uh, had first gotten married about nine years ago now. Don't tell her I said that. Nine years ago now that my wife and I had just gotten married. Uh, we'd been married just a few months, and um, I had started seminary in Atlanta, and my wife was living and working in Belleville, which is just outside of Claxton. It's, Claxton. it's a suburb of Claxton, if you can believe that. Uh, actually, it's not. It's a suburb of Hagen, which is a suburb of Claxton. So that's, that's how it goes in the greater metropolitan area over there. Um, so we lived in Belleville, and Stephanie worked at Pinewood, and I was up in Atlanta at Emory uh, going to school. And so every Monday morning, what I would do um, is I would wake up at 2.30 in the morning, I would get in my truck, and I'd drive to Atlanta because that's about the time that you had to leave the house in order to get to class by 7. Um, that's what time I had, had to get up and go. So I left every, every Monday morning at 2.30 a.m. to get to school. And I did this for about, uh, about six weeks and got into the middle of the semester. And this profound sense of worry, and, and I'm, I mean, I can feel these emotions coming back. This profound sense of worry, this profound sense of dread, this profound sense of anxiety, um, of nervousness just came over me because here I am, I'm, I'm in the middle of the wreck. Remember, I was on I-16, um, just getting ready to head into Macon. And, and I kept thinking, you know, I'm just trying to be a good husband, and, and I'm just trying to be a good youth minister and associate pastor at, at Claxton Church, and I'm just trying to be a good student. And all of this worry and all of this anxiety sort of came crashing down on me. And there was this moment... Actually, it was about a month's worth of moments where I was paralyzed and I didn't feel like I could do anything else except for just survive to the next thing. And so when I got to Atlanta, I would go to my class and then I'd go back to Turner Village, the little apartment complex that I lived in, um, in my little cinder block room that felt like a prison and I would close my door. And that was it. And that was the extent. Have you ever been that kind of worried? Worried to the point where you were almost paralyzed because of what you were going through, the anxiety or the worry that was happening in your life. 
You know, the Mayo Clinic claims that 80 to 85 percent of its total caseload when it comes to psychological issues stems directly from stress, anxiety, and worry. 80 to 85 percent of their caseload deals with stress, anxiety, and worry. One leading physician even said that 70 percent of the people he sees could cure themselves if they could just get rid of their stress and their anxiety and their worry. See, you and I are are little balls of stress. Have you ever noticed this about yourself? You start to get anxious, and anxious becomes more than just anxious. It becomes worried, and worried leads to terrified, and terrified leads to paralyzed. It either leads to paralyzed or it leads to bad choices, one or the other. But you get to that point where you can't do anything else, or you choose to do something that doesn't make sense at all. And so we walk around, you know, with heart trouble. (laughs) We walk around with high blood pressure. We walk around with stomach ulcers in America because we are an anxious people. We are a worried people. We are a stressed out group of people. We are a nation of worriers. And because we're worried, we're stressed, and eventually we're burned out because we are so anxious and so afraid of life and what might be coming next. The interesting thing about Luke chapter 12, this chapter of of the gospel of Luke that we've been sort of in for the past three weeks. The interesting thing is that uh, last week, Jesus addressed those of us who deal with the stress of uh, having great blessings and abundant blessings um, and the temptation that we might have to build great big storehouses for all the blessings that we've received to store them up in so that we could be safe and secure. Jesus addresses that in Luke chapter 12, but then he addresses this other whole group of people, people maybe like you or maybe like me, um, who feel like we would never be that person who would ever build a storehouse. We feel more like somebody who's living month to month or or week to week or just trying to get by. Do you ever feel that way? Like you're trying just to get by, just to make it through the next week? Jesus goes from talking about people who are so blessed that they have to figure out what to do with their blessings to to other people like you and me who struggle with being worried and anxious and afraid about what life might be bringing next. So immediately following last week's text in Luke chapter 12, Jesus utters these words. This is Luke chapter 12, verses uh, 22 to 35. And so I I want you just to follow along with me. Not all these verses are in your notes um, because this, I was anxious about the sermon this week. Believe that. (laughs) Can you believe that? Yeah, I was anxious about this sermon. But then I heard these words from Luke 22, Luke 12, 22. He says, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life, life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. More than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not clothed like one of these. But if God clothes 
the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you're to eat or what you're to drink, and do not keep worrying, for it is the nations of the world. Another translation says it's the pagans that strive after all these things, and your Father knows what you need. Instead, strive for the kingdom, and these things, these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As I was preparing for this week and working on the sermons, um, I read a lot of sermons um, that in one way or another said that the thing that we need to do most in our life and in our faith is trust God more. Um, and to be honest with you, when I've preached this sermon before, I've, I've preached it that same way, that, that the thing that we all need to do is to add on um, this extra measure of trust to our lives, this extra measure of trust so that God, we, so that we know that God will probably, we got to trust a little bit more. Have you ever heard that sermon where, don't worry, it's all going to be okay? You've heard this sermon before, right? Well, I struggle with that for some reason. Yeah, I struggle with, with just telling you, well, just trust a little more. Because I've been in situations like that, that moment at, at, at Emory in Atlanta where I just wanted to shut myself in my room and, and be alone. Where if you'd have told me, just trust a little more. Just trust a little more. That I probably wouldn't have said some very nice things to you. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Where the cheap, easy answers just don't work anymore? Where, where trust a little more, have a little faith, say another prayer doesn't work? Any, where that sort of advice just isn't? sufficient. You know, you and I, we always talk about how, how we've got to give everything to God so that we don't have to worry or be afraid. But what we so often fail to realize is the reason, is the reason why we don't have to worry or be afraid. The reason why we don't have to worry or be afraid, it's just what Jesus says here. I want you to listen to it, to get to it again. After telling his disciples and the people who were around Look at the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Don't worry. Jesus gives his disciples and he gives us the reason why we ought not worry. And the reason why we ought not be afraid. Jesus says, do not be afraid. In verse 32, little flock. For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure pleasure to give you the kingdom. Did you catch that? God doesn't just want to give us some things. He doesn't want us to just do all right. God isn't just sitting around waiting for us to earn God's favor or watching for us to slip up or making sure that we're sort of towing the line when it comes to life and faith. Rather, God wants to give us 
the kingdom and all of the good things contained therein. Does this make sense? Does that sort of change maybe a little bit your understanding of who God is, that God's not this God who sits on high waiting for you to make some kind of eternal mistake, but instead God is a gracious God and a loving God who more than anything else wants to give you all of the blessings that his kingdom contains. Does that reframe your understanding of who God is? You know, whenever you start to think that way, that God might care about, you know, me living life that truly is life more than he cares about me messing up, that can reframe things, reshape things, give us new life and new breath. I hope that changes the way you think about who God is. That God's not just waiting to pour out his, his omnipotent wrath upon you. But is instead a God who wants to pour out his incredible, unending blessing upon your life. God isn't just waiting for us to slip up. He doesn't just give us rules so that we can break them. God wants to bless you, and God wants to bless me, and he wants to bless this community of faith called Pittman Park, and he wants to bless Statesboro, and God wants to bless the entire world. When we come to that kind of a knowledge of who God is, that's when I believe our anxiety and our worry and our stress over what's going to come next begins to melt away because we understand better who God is. How many of you in here have ever been a child? Any of you ever been a child? Yeah. <laughs> when I was a child, I had my mom and my dad, and um, I loved them dearly until I became a teenager. And then I didn't understand them at all because they made these things called rules, and, and they gave me this thing called a curfew. Do y'all remember a curfew? I don't even know if they do curfew anymore, but we're going to do curfew in my house um, with Addie. But um, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do, but we're going to do curfew. Um, and I didn't understand these rules. I didn't understand all of these, these, these things that my parents said, don't do this, don't do that, be home then, don't go there. I didn't understand, but as I've grown up and now I have a, a four-year-old, and a four-month-old, I understand why my parents were so strict. It's not because they enjoy making rules. It's not because they enjoyed punishing me. It's because they love me enough to put rules in place. They love me enough to correct me. They love me enough that they want to see me experience life that truly is life the very same way that God treats us. See, when we mature in Christ, we understand that God isn't just about making rules and us breaking rules, but that God is about blessing and growing us up and showing us a way that leads to life that truly is life. When we think of God that way, not as a rule maker, but as a giver of blessings, it changes everything. Your guilt, your shame, your stress, your anxiety, you can put all of that aside because the one who ultimately holds your future and holds your life in his hands cares for you. You begin to understand that what God wants for you is to be everything that God created you to be. Everything that God created you to be and to give you the very keys to his kingdom. 
So what you and I have to do when we find ourselves anxious and nervous and stressed and afraid is to anchor ourselves in God's promise. We have to know deep down inside of ourselves that God doesn't just demand things from us, but that God also gives and that God loves and God shares and God blesses. And when we learn that hard truth, when when we take hold of that hard truth and we lean hard into that hard truth, then our worry and our fear and our anxiety can be set aside. Because God isn't just another voice demanding more from us. But it's instead a voice saying, come and cast your burdens upon me. Lay your worries and your fears down at the foot of the cross. And leave them there. God isn't just another voice demanding more from you. It was instead a loving parent who wishes to bless us in amazing and incredible ways. So Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because the God we serve holds tomorrow in his hands. Jesus says, don't worry about how much you have or or how much you don't have because my father has the whole world in his hands, and he wants to share his kingdom with you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Instead, simply receive all that my Father has from you. God doesn't want us, doesn't want you, doesn't want me, doesn't want any of us to be overwhelmed by worries. What God wants is for us to Get our priorities straight. To seek first God's kingdom because God knows that wherever we invest and wherever we put our treasure, that's the place where our heart's going to be. So if you and I are worried about where our next, our next meal is going to come from or, or maybe you know, where the money for the rest of the month is going to come from, and those are very real worries, but as long as we're consumed with that, we can never really store up the treasure in the places It will make a difference. As long as we store up blessings for ourselves in barns the way the man did that Jesus talked about last week, as long as we store up treasure here, our heart will be here. Instead, store up treasure where it matters and where it counts in heaven, in Christ so that your heart can experience life that truly is life. And that's been the point of this entire series, that ultimately the words that ought to move us are not selfishness or busyness or money or greed, but instead community and relationship. Community with the people around us and a relationship with the people around us. Community with God and relationship with God, when you and I let go of ourselves in order to reach out to others like the Good Samaritan on the road, do you remember that story from a few weeks ago? When we let go of ourselves to reach out 
to people who are in need, we find ourselves living life that truly is life. And we stop all of our anxiety and stop the busyness of our life and sit at the feet of Christ like Martha did. Do you remember that story where Martha stopped everything and sat at Jesus' feet? When we do that, we begin to experience life that truly is life. And we begin cultivating an interior life of prayer in the way that Jesus taught us to. We begin to experience life that truly is life. And when we let go of greed and worry and this tendency to try and secure our future ourselves, we begin to live life that truly is life. When we do those things, our treasure ends up being stored in the right sort of places. Not here with us, but with Christ the one who saved us and who invites us into a relationship with him. But living that sort of life, it all begins by giving our lives individually and corporately to the God who's not only promised us his kingdom, but gave his son that we might live. God isn't just making rules. God isn't just waiting to punish you. God loves you. And he wants good things for you. You and I, we need to lean into that truth and learn it for ourselves. Because that's when all the worry can stop and all the anxiety can cease because we know that our future is safe with Christ. Would you pray with me this morning?